There's a popular saying that goes, love makes the world go round. I'm sure you've heard of it. The Beatles sang a very popular song where only fools fall in love and my all-time favorite, all is fair in love and war. For as long as humans have been alive, we've been trying to uncover the many facets of love and connection. And the more we try to understand it, the more confused and lost we feel. I know at least that's the case for me. My name is Kate Berlin, and as far back as I can remember, I have been fascinated by love, the whole spectrum of love. But I am by all means not an expert. I have been spending my whole life as a hopeless romantic, searching for love in all the wrong places. Some days I feel I get it, then the next it all seems so out of reach. My spiritual journey brought me to A Course in Miracles, and the definition of love as the only thing that is real speaks to my soul. In this podcast series, I am seeking to uncover all the ways love exists, and I want to take you with me as we experience how love makes the world go round. Hey guys, welcome to episode three of Love Makes the World Go Round with Kate Berlin. It's a me. <laughs> All right, so I went on my Instagram and I asked what I should talk about or what I should cover for my third podcast, and everyone said fear. Yee! And literally, just the thought of sharing about fear gives me a little bit of anxiety. I'm not going to lie. Um, this is a podcast about love, but it makes sense that you would also speak of fear because you can't have one without the other. Actually, according to A Course in Miracles, only one exists. Everything else is an illusion. So get ready, sit back, and we will uncover fear. Okay, I feel like I need to take a big giant breath before we get to this topic because guys, I think that I am entirely fearful. I've been sitting on this episode for the past two weeks and every time I get somewhat to it, I I just can't. Um, you know, so that's that's kind of a that's kind of an interesting observation for me. Here I am talking about fear, and as I'm doing it, I am 100% in my experience of of being fearful. There are just so many ways that I can go about the subject of fear, and I just want to make sure that I do it so much justice. Usually, with anything, I like to start with the definition. It's a good base for me to start from and go. So that's what we're gonna do. A simple Google search defines fear as an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. So let's just unravel that one for a moment. I'm going to start by saying, guys, I'm not a doctor or a mental health counselor. The most I know about the human body and the mind is within my scope as a yoga teacher and a Reiki practitioner. Everything I share here is entirely my own understanding and perception and experience. So take that as you will. I'm honored though that you're listening. <laughs> like truly, I'm honored. If you're listening, I'm honored. I am by all means also though not a linear thinker. I usually explain everything in broad strokes, so bear with me as we wade our way through the cobwebs of fear. And essentially that's what all of that feels like to me. Fear is this ginormous cobweb that if you don't tend to it will completely overtake your inner being. Fear for me is 100% paralyzing. It puts me in freeze mode. 
So the definition is accurate in saying that it is entirely unpleasant emotion. It's an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. But let's look at this part, belief. It is caused by the belief. Have you ever been in an argument with someone and then they tell you, well, that's your belief. And whenever someone says that to me, guys, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to have the argument be over with. I just want to walk away and like deck them in the face (laughs) because that word belief almost implies that it is your own perception of something. It's not real. That's fear. Most of the time, fear isn't real, but because it is your belief, it feels so, so real. And this is where I share some tools with you so that we're able to bring back your fear experience into what is actually right in front of you. I also think that fear has been installed in our psyche as a way to keep us safe. If we didn't have fear, we would all be recklessly blasting through this world. And as human beings, I don't really know, I don't really think that we know how to deal with that. So basically, we've created fear as a way to keep us in check as a way for us to be able to maintain this vision that we created for ourselves and then safely navigate within those boundaries. So from that perspective, fear isn't entirely bad, but I think it becomes a hindrance when we allow it to keep us from exploring new ways of thinking. And fear can be really sneaky. If it's left unchecked, it can cloak itself into language that can sound a lot like self-preservation. So how do we strike that balance between fear as a tool and fear as self-preservation? To make sure I cover most of the basis in this, <clears throat> in this episode and in the time that we have, I've broken this episode down in a few ways. It is about to get personal because it wouldn't be me if we aren't going to get personal. So I'm going to start this off by sharing my biggest fear with you guys. Then I'll give you my tips and tricks on dealing with fear. And then finally, I'm going to share with you A Course in Miracles definition on fear. Hope that sounds good. Grab your popcorn. Let's go. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm having a really hard time. (laughs) I'm having a really hard time with this. Just about to tell you my biggest fear has me in tears. (laughs) It has me in tears. So I want to check in with you and kind of share with you the sensations I'm feeling as I am about to share my biggest fear with you guys. It feels like this cellular shaking in my body. I wish I could... At this moment, I wish I could turn a switch and either faint or disappear. All these voices start to rise in my mind. They're telling me all these things that aren't true, that aren't real, that aren't positive. It gets very chaotic, very loud. But I'm going to go on with it anyways, because for me, that's one of my tools of dealing with fear. It's just blasting on. (laughs) So my biggest fear is the fear of ending up alone. And I'm not talking about being alone because I know very well how to be alone. I've been alone my whole life. I am alone now. And I think that is why I'm so afraid of having that be the rest of my life because I know what it feels like. And so I very well know how to live on my own, but I do not want to end up alone. I don't want to end up alone. I don't want to be without a life partner. I don't want to lay at the end of my life on my dead bath and have 
not no one there just and not have not have the story to tell of my husband and my you know my best friend and I know that I mean honestly just sharing this is is so terrifying it's so terrifying I feel like I'm rambling and I know a lot of people that know me I have a daughter I have a nine-year-old daughter tell me this you know like you're not alone you have your daughter and that's that is true I am not alone I do have a daughter but at one point in her life she is going to I mean, she's going to have to navigate her own life. She's going to have to find a partner and they're going to have to create a family of their own. And it, it changes. It becomes different. And my biggest dream has always been to be able to be in old age, look next to me and have a partner that has done life with me. And so that is my fear is that I'll look next to me and no one will be there, right? And so this is what fear does for me. It like gets me emotional, gets me crying. But that is my biggest fear, not having, not having anyone next to me at the end of my life. And um, it might sound very irrational to some of you, um, or maybe not. Maybe you identify with that fear, but that is my fear. And so let me just take a moment real quick. <laughs> let me take a moment so you're not just listening to me crying. There is um, an author, her name is Carolyn Mays. I think I'm saying it right. Maybe her name is Carolyn Miss Mays, um, but she does something called sacred contracts. And so in sacred contracts, she has this theory that we come into this world having signed a contract entirely outlining everything that we need for our spiritual and soul growth. So we have a contract with every single person that we meet and we have a contract for ourselves and this contract is very detailed very personalized to what we need in this lifetime for our soul growth and so the theory in sacred contracts is the idea that if your if your lesson for soul growth is letting go if your lesson for soul growth is um letting go. I'm going to use letting go because for me, that is one of my big lessons and that is attached to this fear of ending up alone, right? So I am so entirely fearful of ending up alone that I'm constantly coming in these scenarios in this life where I end up alone. Oh, lo and behold. So her theory is that if something is your lesson, if something is in your contract, you're not going to receive it on a piece of paper written, slipped down that slip down through the cracks of your door. You're not going to wake up one day and get a note that says, today you are going to learn the lesson of dot, dot, dot. No, the way it happens is by actually putting you in that simulation, putting you in that scenario. And because you are afraid of it, you are going to struggle. You are going to struggle. Because you are afraid of it, you are going to struggle. And so the idea is that if you can remember your sacred contract, if you can remember your fear, then you can also remember the other side of fear, right? Which is that you're not afraid and that this is all necessary to teach you some sort of spiritual slash soul growth. So... If your 
if for me my fear is of being alone, I am going to continuously create subconsciously these scenarios that are going to get me or feel have me feeling alone. And until I accept that aloneness and until I accept this as possibly, possibly, quite possibly, my end scenario, I will continue to be in these situations where I am entirely fearful of being alone. I don't want to be alone. You're going to end up alone. Oh man, I'm alone. You know, like, does that, that all, does that all make sense? It's like this vicious cycle that you're not able to get out of for some reason until you accept it and then you can break free. It's like this catch 21 or catch 22. Um, but I hope that makes sense. I hope that makes sense for you guys. But that is my biggest fear. My biggest fear is the fear of ending up alone. I don't mind being alone. I'm afraid of ending up alone. And I'm still trying to rewrite that fear because the thing is ending up alone is always going to be in the future. So I can be fine being alone. It's the fear of ending up alone. So how do I rewrite something that lives in the future? I guess I'm going to have to go with... Um, Maybe telling myself I'm not afraid of ending up alone. Ending up alone is perfectly fine. I don't know. But I'm going to share with you my tools in the next segment. And these are the tools that I'm actively using today to be able to hopefully rewrite my fear of ending up alone and changing it into something else. So if all of this somehow makes sense to you guys and you want to continue listening on to my tips and tricks, feel free to not feel free. Let's go. All right, guys, so now that we've, I've shared with you my most, my biggest fear, that was kind of a mess. <laughs> that was kind of a mess. I feel like that was a mess. And thank you for sticking around. But yeah, so my fear of being alone and understanding that until I am okay with this aloneness, I am probably going to continue creating these scenarios for myself where I am constantly alone. And again, like I said, alone to me, alone to me is, you know, not having a, a partner, not having a husband, not being able to look next to me at the end of my life and say, we've done this, we've done this together, we grew together, we created together, we've raised together, we, you know, we've this, all of this, look at our, look at our life and how we have established ourselves individually and as a couple. And so um, what are the tools that I'm using? So currently I'm in, I'm 100% in the situation of being in my aloneness. I'm single. I have my daughter with me, but all of the responsibility falls on myself. And when we talk about responsibility in today's day and age, we think about like financial, material, all this stuff. I'm talking about responsibility. My emotional responsibility falls on myself. My spiritual responsibility. I mean, every single part of my being falls entirely on my own. As it should be. As it should be. I don't... What I've learned in the past year is that it's not a it's not a supportive relationship where both people rely on each other entirely for their own individual growth and so these are all things i'm learning but i'm going to share with you a couple of tools that i use so one of the tools is obviously creating this awareness right like we can't move forward and we can't 
change anything about ourselves if it is not in our conscious mind, if we have not created an awareness of what is wrong, because then we just continue to, um, to go in our patterns. And so for me, the way to understand or to create awareness is to look around at things that continue to keep happening. So if I am afraid of being alone and that is what is constantly recreating itself for me, then that's where I can now create an awareness of what do I need to do? Where do I need to go? How do would I navigate differently so that this does not continue to happen? And so awareness is, is first and foremost. We cannot go anywhere without having the awareness. And so for me, what has really worked in creating an awareness is my meditation practice. I meditate I mean, I want to say I meditate every day, but like, honestly, that is not true. I meditate probably like two times a week, um, for an hour to two hours each time. Um, I go by what feels good. So if I feel like I need to check in with myself, I'll, I'll meditate and yoga. My yoga practice has really, really helped me in creating that awareness. What yoga does for me is it entirely gets me out of my own head, my own mind, and then it allows me the space to uncover, the space to unfold, the space to navigate, the space to look at where certain things live in my body and how does that translate into everyday life. So for me, mindfulness tools, breath, work, Breathing, exercises, meditation, and yoga, I feel like all those combined have helped me create the awareness. Journaling is a big one. I love to journal. For me, whenever I am too much in my head, I just take out pen and paper and I start writing. And usually I write without question. And what that does for me is it just allows me the space to look back at it a couple of days later and go, oh, okay, those are the things that were going on. So breathing, meditation, yoga, journaling. And then I also, one of the bigger things that I do to help me get out of my fear is I honor it. I honor my fear. And honoring my fear looks like having a conversation with myself. Kind of like recording a podcast. (laughs) Um, No, but I honor it and I honor it by sitting down with myself. So I sit myself down and I ask, okay, Kate, no judgment here. What are you afraid of? And I go, okay, I'm afraid of, I'm afraid of ending up alone. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Why do you think you're afraid of ending up alone? And then I ask myself these questions, you know, and I'm like, okay, what is the worst case scenario? What is worst case scenario of ending up alone? You die and no one finds you. You, no one gives a shit, you know, like you go through worst case scenario. So I have these conversations out loud because I am also auditory. That's how I learn. That's how I comprehend. So I need to hear myself think. I need to hear the voices in my head out loud. One, to understand how ridiculous it all is. And two, for me to comprehend what is actually happening. So having the conversations with myself, honoring that fear space. So it's literally like you're sitting down at the table with yourself, your fearful self, and then you have your rational self, and then you go back and forth, go back and forth, go back and forth. And sometimes you might come to you might come to a middle ground. Other times, not so much. And then you just, for me, what that looks like is I'm just like crying. There are no words except for 
there are just emotions, no words, just emotions. And I cry and I cry and I cry and then it ends. And then I look at myself and I say, okay, all of what you felt is valid. All of what you felt is valid. Can you take yourself off the floor and can you go about your day? We will revisit this when it comes back up. And so that happens, right? So have a conversation with yourself and validate your feelings. A lot of the times our fears in the present moment are irrational because they live entirely in the past. We are fearful only because of our experience with past, only what we know to be true based on our past experience is what creates fear in the present moment. Does that make sense? So yes, I think it makes sense. I don't have to repeat myself. I don't have to repeat myself. You're not little kids. So <laughs> that's, that's one of them. And then another one is that your fear has already come true. In your mind, you reliving or living your fear has made it so. You are living in your fear state. So even though I'm in my bathroom crying, hunched over, fearful, in my mind, it might as well have had happened. It might as well have had happened. Does that, is that correct? It might, it might as well have had happened. It might as well. It might it, what? Now my, now my sentence is stuck. It might as well have had happened. We're going to go with that. We're going to roll with that one. But you get it because you're sitting there and you're living it and you're feeling it and it's in your bones and it's making your body shake and you are having fights with your friends and the people around you and you're in it. You are living your fear in that moment, even though it has not happened yet. So what is the difference between doing that in your bathroom, for example, or actually going through it and then ending up in that same place? There is none. So you might as well give it a fair shot, right? You might as well just burst through and give it a try. And then you might be pleasantly delighted. Once you get over that hump of fear, it is never, ever going to come back in that same instance. It is never, ever going to come back looking exactly the same. You might think you're back, but you're not back in the exact same way. You'll have changed. And that brings it to like healing is nonlinear, it spirals. So even though you think that you are, oh man, I'm here again, that's not true. You're not here again. You are here, but different. Slightly different, right? Maybe minusculely different, but you're not in the same space. You're a different person. You've learned and you'll continue to learn. And sometimes learning happens on a very cellular, milli millimeter way, right? Like it doesn't, sometimes it is so small, you can barely tell, but I guarantee you it is not exactly different than what it was in the past. So those are some of my tools and I'm, I'm trying to not make this super long drawn, but these are the things that have helped me. It's just one, creating the awareness, which tools create awareness for me. It's meditation, it's journaling, it's yoga, it's breathing. Breathing is the most important thing. 
What breathing does is it allows you to take a moment of panic and anxiety and it allows you to stretch it just a little bit so that you can give yourself time. And it's so important, breath, because what happens when we're fearful is our breath catches, our breath stops, our breath, we lose it. And so bringing it back in our breath brings us back into our body, brings us back into this space, brings us back. And then we can think because when we're not here, we can't create the awareness. So once you are here by utilizing your breath, by utilizing meditation, by utilizing journaling, by utilizing the body, when you're here, you can take a closer look and you can create that awareness. Once you have that awareness, you can give yourself space. You can honor your emotions of fear. You can honor whatever it is you need to honor in that moment of falling apart in your fearful experience. You can honor it because you're here and you have that awareness. And then asking yourself, right, what's the risk? If I'm living my fear in this moment, might as well give it a fair shot, might as well go all out, balls out, (laughs) might as well, might as well, because who knows, right? I have the ability to rewrite this, and so you're never going to be in that same scenario again once you get over that hump of that initial fear. So part of it is kind of like not being reckless, but it's motivating yourself or pushing yourself to be able to just go, just go, just jump, just do. And everyone gets to the moment of jumping in their own time, right? So that's another thing. It's be gentle with yourself. You will get to the edge of your fear in your own time. Don't compare yourself. Don't compare yourself. Some people, no big deal, jump right away. Other people, it takes a moment, it takes a week, it can take years, and that is okay. Be gentle with yourself, start over, try again, try again, try again, try again. So those are my tools, guys, and I hope they're somewhat helpful, but those are the things that I actively use from the smallest of fears to the biggest of fears. That is what I use that has helped me, and I hope that you can use them too. Um, Another thing that really has helped me is A Course in Miracles. I've shared with you guys, I am a student of A Course in Miracles and the whole premises, premise, the whole premise of A Course in Miracles is that only love is real. Everything else is an illusion. And so basically what that means is if it is not love, it's an illusion. It doesn't exist. Not to say let's bypass fear. It's to say that essentially there are two worlds that run alongside each other. One is this world that we have created that is entirely set in illusion, our ego mind, our tangible mind, our mind that needs to see, hear, feel, that needs proof. And then we have the world that is set in love where everything just is. 100% beautiful, perfect, set in love. And you can't always see that, but you can feel it, right? This is the world where poetry makes sense. This is the world where artists go and they're inspired. This is the world where music and the sound of it just brings you to tears. You can't see it. 
You can't explain it. It's a feeling. And so when we say only love is real, everything else is an illusion, is allowing yourself to see beyond this veiled existence. So when you, when I experience fear, to know, okay, in this tangible world, I see it. This is what my fear looks like looks like ending up alone. This is what my fear feels like. I am entirely shaking. I am crying. It's dark. This is what my fear looks like in this world. What does it look like if I look beyond that world? If my fear did not exist and if I am entirely trusting in love's ability to heal, to transcend, to spiral up, where does that take me? It takes me to a place where being alone is not only okay, it is absolutely not possible. It is impossible. Because if we are all connected, there is no way that I could be alone. So my definition of alone is set in fear state. It's set in feeling, hearing, seeing. This is what it's supposed to look like, right? So if I can go beyond that, then it doesn't exist, Everything that I'm telling myself of what my fear is, is unreal. So I look beyond. And that is what A Course in Miracles has taught me is looking, constantly looking beyond this failed existence, constantly questioning my fear. What does it look like? What does it feel like? What is it? What is it? Can you look beyond that? Can you know that none of it is real? And then what does the unrealness look like, Right. What does that look like? What does the alternative of your fear look like? And so there is a quote off the top of my head. What I can think of is this one quote in A Course in Miracles that goes, your only function in this world is to decide what it is you want or to figure out what it is you want and then decide against it. Your only function in this world is to figure out what it is you want and then decide against it because you who can barely control the universe should hardly aspire to control the world. Boom, like humble, right? You who can barely control your own life should hardly aspire to control the universe. And that's just to say that when we are fearful, we are trying very hard to control the outcome of something, right? So in my fear of ending up alone, what I'm trying to control is to secure a partner, is to hold on to a body, to hold on to a loved one. And so that is what I think I want. I figured it out. Okay, I fig- I'm figuring out that this is what I want. Now decide against it because you really truly don't even know. You don't even know because you're functioning out of my belief system, belief, which is implying falseness, right? <laughs> okay. This is where I think a lot of my friends are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I think I got it. We're good. How about, uh, how about those uh, bears? <laughs> you know? Because I can get so into it. And then it just like, we're swirling now in this world that seems very unrealistic. And okay, yeah, it's all great in theory. But how do we apply it here? Brings it back to the tools, right? And at the end of the day, it is whatever helps, whatever can assist you of getting out of that fear state. For me, A Course in Miracles really makes sense and is the only thing that has stuck and the only thing that 
for me, ties all of it together. So that's it, guys. I think we're good. (laughs) I think we're good. But I hope all of this makes sense. Please let me know. Thank you guys so much for listening. This was a really tough podcast. I'm not going to lie. I almost I almost just want to wipe it out entirely and just be like, eh, forget it. But I'm going to use my own tools of fear. I'm going to post this. I'm going to publish it. I'm not going to think about it twice. I'm just going to bust through it. And I'm hoping that somewhere out there, even just one of it helps, you know, even if it's just be gentle with yourself. I hope that you listen to this and it inspires you to sit down with your fear, to uncover it, create that awareness and to rewrite it because we are better than our fears. We are better than our fears and it is unfair for our fears to run our life when what is on the other side is so much more beautiful, so much bigger, so much softer, so much more nurturing And the opposite of fear is love. So may you continue to breathe in love. May you continue to carry through with love. May you continue to be love. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Have a good day. That was it. That was it. That was it. I need an exit jingle. That was it. That was it. See you next time for Love Makes the World Go Round with Kate Berlin. Da-dum.